Hold one. Arm drag. Brett screwed Brett. It's me, Austin. I did it for the rock. Oh, shut your mouth, you thong wearing fatty. Number four, arm bar. I am Sir Michael Cole. What? Welcome everyone to this week's episode of Grapplecast. It's me, your host, Taron, alongside Dan and Joe. How are we doing, guys? What's up, Boos? Yeah, loving life, mate. How are you doing? Hello. Yes, not too bad. Busy day in work, what can I say? It feels like I'm saying that every day to people. <laughs> Absolutely yeah, crazy at the moment, isn't it? But yeah, you know, we get busy. to come on here, chat, uh, you know, three good friends chatting about wrestling. What's more there what's there more to do, you know, on your evening? It caps off a really busy day with something really good, so I can't complain. Well, we could be on holiday like Jamie is still. He's not here for a second week in a row because he's out camping in the mountains. First Wimbledon, now in the Lake District Mountains. What next? I don't know. He meets Tom Cruise at Wimbledon. He thinks he can just go off gallivanting with whoever. Next, he's going to go over to Loch Ness and he's going to find Drew McIntyre's great-great-grandmother and he's going to get a sword and he's going to sharpen it on Loch Ness's <laughs> teeth. That's what he's going to do next. And then he's going to wrestle with WCW's The Yeti. And then um, he's going to buy an uh, um, actual ambulance that can be disassembled and then he's going to complain about it and all of the British newspapers are going to be like, oh, gin- ginger 30-year-old complains about toy from <laughs> entertainer. How have we um, got on with wrestling in general this week? See, I thought, you know, leading up to this week, obviously we were we were later with the podcast last week just because of a variety of different reasons. Um, we recorded on the Friday, so I hope everybody that listened enjoyed our Money in the Bank reactions, which I still thought, you know, and I still think now it was a, a decent, solid show, and it's definitely what we needed. Um, Raw, we'll get on to Raw at some point, but I thought Raw was terrible this week. Absolute dog, whatever. But, yeah, I wasn't impressed with Raw, and I hope it picks back up, because it had a really strong week last week, I thought, but... I don't know. We'll see. Mm, strong uh, week, but we're all caught up now. I know before uh, when we were speaking on the Friday when we were recording, we were so far behind, but now we're officially caught up. I'm catching up on um, AEW now, but to be honest, I don't pay much attention to it. Um, but yeah, all caught up. The only thing I need to watch is NXT that happened yesterday, but um, we'll get there. We'll, we, you know, But um, all in all, happy to catch up with wrestling, but a lot of it, you know, a lot of fast forwarding had to go ahead, especially, you know, three hour roar. I think I watched it in about 40 minutes yesterday. That's usually the way to do it, I've heard. <laughs> what is it, the service that they have over in the US? What do our US listeners... Hulu, isn't it? It's a Hulu, that's it. And then they, they have a breakdown episode of Raw on Hulu, or certainly, I think I heard some rumblings, it might be coming off that, I'm not sure. But um, anyway, they, at the moment, and for the last few years, they've had this on Hulu. Um, and that's usually like a, a now-is breakdown version of Raw. Um, and again, if you've got a Raw like we had this week, what do you put in in an hour of the best bits? Because I don't think there were many. I don't know. I, I think Joe and I were talking about it. It read really terrible. We were watching it, and it was basically like a pandemic roar. It was what you'd expect if they had, like, Thunderdome and these screens. It wasn't like, a, oh, we've got crowd. But to be fair, I know we're going to break down roar, but the wrestlers tried so hard. Like, if you watch the opening segment of Raw, Nikki Ash comes out, and she goes to high-five a kid who's, like, on the ring apron on the, the the entrance and the kid just looks at her like why are you looking to high five me whereas if it was like two years ago everyone's like yeah high five high five this kid she literally put her hands up like that 
And then the kid just went, why are your hands up in front of my face? And then she literally had to say <laughs> high five and press her hands like that. And then the kid just went, oh, yeah. It's Corona. She don't want it. She don't want to do the high five. <laughs> I find that mad. I mean, obviously, you can say it's mad that crowds are back and that's anyone's opinions. Um, you know, whatever the situation is in America, I know there is some rising cases again, just like there is everywhere. I've heard AEW Tony Khan is quite... Um, you know, on edge at the moment as far as the rising cases, and they may look to change some venues or some upcoming shows. Yeah. Um, but, you know, certainly for the WWE, they're at full capacity crowds again. I think some people are still getting used to everything. You still see the odd mask out there, um, but I still find it mad that the talent is allowed to come out and interact with the crowd as much as they do. Um, and again, don't get me wrong, that's part of the show. That's part of the spectacle. Of course, the baby faces will come out, high five and hug, you know, the, the crowd on the yeah. front row. Of course they will. That's part of it. But in a, I suppose you can't even say post-pandemic world because we're still in a pandemic, still in a pandemic world where easing of restrictions across most countries in the world have started and the WWE doing a full capacity shows. It surprises me that they're not just letting them come out and interact by waving and walking to the ring, doing their thing and leaving. Because if anybody's got the virus on the front row that they're hugging, high-fiving, and they come into contact, that's a week to two weeks' worth of TV that they're potentially missing because they either have the coronavirus or they're having to self-isolate. Yeah, I mean, with the wrestlers, you know, they're being tested daily, daily, daily. But you've seen it with Jeff Hardy this week. He's had to miss Raw this week for catching the Rona. You know, I don't think it was at the WWE event. But, yeah, it is very strange. I know that the audience have to sign waivers, like we commented a couple of weeks ago, uh, to say. But, yeah, I think there is a risk factor. It is quite strange, you know. I mean, in Wales, we're not even allowed to hug. You know, we still have to wear uh, masks everywhere. I think we're only allowed six people per household in Wales. I know it's different in England where you are. Um, but then you look in, like, on telly and it just it feels really awkward. You're seeing people hugging, high-fiving and all this. It just... If, yeah, it feels a bit off. I think it's going to take a while for us all to get used to, I think. I think over here, it feels much... Um, I mean, maybe this is just me. It feels much more normal because the restrictions have eased a lot because you don't have to wear a mask if you don't want to now inside because everything is open. You know, I was at the football, the soccer for our American listeners there last night. It was a friendly... So it wasn't a full stadium by any means, but there was a few thousand people there. But, you know, obviously people weren't wearing the masks. Again, it was outside. Um, but, you know, even before that, when you were allowed to go to sports events and it was outside, you were still expected to wear masks. So it's feeling a lot more like the norm over here. For however long, who knows, more restrictions could come in. But I think for me, I think for mental health reasons as well, for people who are fans of any type of sport, let alone wrestling or professional wrestling, it, they, they've. I really, really want them to keep everything under control over there because we can't be going back to the Thunderdome. We can't <laughs> be going back to empty arena events. We can't be going back to bloody, you know, AEW just with the 10 undercar talents around the ring. <laughs> we, you know, we've been there. And looking back on it, whilst there were some decent events and some decent matches, it was quite depressing thinking about it, seeing it. Now we've got fans back. You know, you really, really miss them. However poor Raw may have been this week, it's great to see the fans and people being happy and excited. Oh, and, you know, yeah, I just I agree, think, definitely. Yeah. I mean, the thing is about Raw, you know, no matter how bad some of the episodes of the pandemic Raw were, like a lot of TV shows and sitcoms just stopped showing them. Just 
especially in the UK, I don't know what it's like about our international listeners, but they were showing a lot of repeats. Like, um, like I watched uh, BBC's House of Games with Richard Osmond. A lot of that was repeated. Um, um, that started yeah. like Coronation Street and EastEnders, which are the British soaps. So you think about it, there was an episode of Raw every Monday night, yeah, at the start, you were showing like old WrestleManias and SummerSlam, but fair play to WWE, they put a show on every week, yeah, okay, it's not the standard we're used to, but at least they tried, and now the fans are back, it's not going to get back to normal, you know, 100% as was it was like before. As you said, the coronavirus is still rife in a lot of places, I think people are being cautious and they don't really know how to act now in their COVID world. Do you think there could be a test? So let's just say for argument's sake here that the cases continue to rise or, you know, God touch all this doesn't happen, but there's another type of variant and they're not sure whether the vaccines around the world are controlling them as well as they currently are. And America specifically here goes back into some sort of lockdown or semi-lockdown or just reduces the capacity of these big sporting events. Let's say they're looking at doing that. Do you think that the WWE would be clever in this and look to potentially say you're only allowed to attend an event now with proof of a double vaccination or a proof of a negative test? Because, for example, over here in the UK, there are these things that are going on where it looks as if the government may, after September, October, start to request that. Chelsea Football Club, the soccer team over here, have announced today in the last hour that even from the first game of the new season, they themselves, they're going to be looking at saying you've got to have a negative test or a proof of double vaccination or you're not attending any of the games. And they're the first major team, they're the first Premier League team to do that. Could you see wrestling having to do that if the cases continue to go up? Or will they just go back to the Thunderdome? Potentially. I mean, they've announced today as well in the news that um, if you're coming from America or some other places as well, if you've been double jabbed, you don't have to quarantine. I know there's um, certain tests. You have to make sure you do tests, but you don't have to quarantine. Then you said ambulance countries in America. So it means that um, talent from NXT UK and talent from NXT, they can go back and forth again, which is going to be great. Um, And that was announced today in the British. I don't know about America. I think they've still got... Um, a, a block on anyone from the UK coming in unless it's like media or um, sporting or anything like that. But but in terms of if there is a rising case, do we think that they're going to be asking for vaccine? I think it's a bit more difficult in America. They're, they're really, you know, they're giving away like lottery tickets if they have a jab. You know, they're really trying to promote people getting the jab over there. So it's, it's quite difficult, but we only see it from an outside perspective. From the UK, we don't see the American um press as you will i know joe biden's working from what we can see really hard with it but i wouldn't be surprised like you said WWE's making them sign a waiver to say that if they catch covid while they're in the arena they can't be held at fault but it'd be interesting to see what happens with it like you said they're very clever they've they probably already thought of this um in terms of the arenas that they're booking and the contingency plans um but hopefully we carry on with fans the rates keep going down that's what we all are open for absolutely I mean, my concern with the the vaccine jab in America, like having to prove it, then um, I don't want to get political. But in in the American political system, they're very on the on the Republican side. They're very harsh on like your freedoms. Like you should be able to go out and do what you like, and the government shouldn't tell you what to do. So that side of the spectrum is very harsh. And if they do do decide to do that in America, I can see that side of the political spectrum causing some kind of 
um, issues for it, I think. Well, from one type of jab to <laughs> another, the WWE have released a press conference this week, and I find this really interesting, and i like to hear your guys' views on this. They've announced that in partnership um, with, I can't remember which broadcaster now, but effectively what they're doing is they've announced a scripted TV series, and it's going to be entitled The USA versus Vince McMahon, and it's a dramatised scripted TV series about Vince McMahon and the 1994 steroid scandal trial. Mm. Now, I find this massively interesting for two reasons. One, there's going to be a Dark Side of the Ring episode on the steroid trial back in 1994, and now suddenly the WWE doing their own take on it. But also... I'm sure was there not this season a Dark Side of the Ring episode about somebody in particular, may very well have been about the Ultimate Warrior um, and Dark Side of the Ring presenting their own Ultimate Warrior or already have done um, Ultimate Warrior episode. So I find it very interesting for that. I don't know whether WWE are trying to draw people away from that and going, look at this, this is the real story, but that's, that's the interesting point in this. This is the WWE. How biased and i mean how biased is this going to be vince mcmahon is going to have his hands all over this it's a joint collaboration between the wwe and then the network that's presenting it how do you present a truthful (laughs) you know recollection of how that went when one person the accused let's say because you know we don't want to get in any trouble here there was a trial there was what whatever happened he was accused not saying he did anything but when the accused is presenting their events in the form of a television series, I'm sure it's going to be entertaining, and I'm looking forward to it. But how biased is that going to be? Yeah, but you look at—I yeah. mean, there's there's two sides to every story, and I think usually it's the case where the the people who are going to press charges against them they get in their face. But if you look at, do you remember the O.J. Simpson one they did, where there was like seven episodes? But that, so that was the people versus OJ Simpson, wasn't it? So that yeah. was American Crime Story, the people who make uh, uh, Ryan Murphy does American Horror Story. Yeah. Now, with that, that was brilliant. And anyone who hasn't seen it, it was brilliant. fantastic. Go and see it. Um, but when it comes to this, you know, the, the, the people, Ryan Murphy and whatnot, that made the OJ versus the people or whatever it's called, the people versus OJ Simpson, you know, he's not oj simpson he's not a family member of oj simpson making it and saying oh this is what happened i think it was yes i'm sure some points were made for entertainment purposes but it should have been as close as you can get as far as being you know a non-biased retelling dramatization of the events this is the person that's been accused effectively making a program about it knowing vince he's probably sat there going yeah this story would be good shit and then he's thinking, yeah, let's just process it. People like the O.J. Simpson things. They like trial sort of stuff. You know, they're always popular, you know, John Grisham novels. So he's probably looked at it and gone, yeah, we could probably make some money out of this and make a good tally show. And he's probably heard that the dark side of the ring are doing a special and thinking, well, if they're doing it, well, I'm going to tell my side and I'm going to get my side out there first. So I can see his point of logic with it. But people are generally interested in it. And I think people will look at it and you can sway people's minds. I know it is going to be biased, but at the end of the day, Vince McMahon is very talented at storytelling and he can spin whatever story he likes. And that's what they pay all those lawyers for is to spin their story in the best way possible and to convince a jury that 
it, it goes in a certain way. Um, and that's what you're always going to get. You're always going to have the two sides. But yeah, it's very interesting that you've actually got Vince's side, who's the person who's been accused, actually presenting his stuff first. But I think, you know, we'll probably look at it in about six months, a year's time. We'll have seen both of them and you can make your own sort of opinion on that. But it will, you know, no doubt be good viewing and very interesting. A lot of stuff that we probably weren't aware of. Could this work against Vince McMahon, though? I don't know what you think about this, Joe, but could this work against him in the fact that it sounds as if the dark side of the ring episode is more or less finished? I know it's part of the second half of this series, so that's going to land any time around the autumn. It doesn't sound as if they've started necessarily filming this um, Vince Doom joint production, I've just checked now, it's between Bluehouse and WWE, doesn't sound like they've even started that yet, so people are going to see the Dark Side of the Ring episode first, so effectively, yes, I'm sure there will still be points that are exaggerated, but they're going to see a documentary rather than a docudrama, rather than a dramatisation, they're going to see a documentary with, this is what happened with this person, this is what happened with this person, this is what happened overall, and then afterwards they're going to see the dramatisation version created partly by the person involved in it. How do you think people are going to interpret those as far as, you know, which one do you think they're going to lead to us? And is that going to harm Vince McMahon? Because people are going to go, well, we don't believe any of this. This is awful, your, the dramatisation, because we already know what happens because we've seen the documentary, effectively. I mean, Vince McMahon is very smart, as Dad said, to release his own vision story. You know, he's controlling his own narrative. I mean... Um, with Dark Side of the Ring, obviously there's certain things that I on on a lot of these documentaries, a lot of them say you know some some of the what's happened has been dramatized for effect for storytelling purposes. So it happens on all these documentaries, you know. Yeah, okay, it, it is kind of what happened, but they've they've made it fit to fit with the story. So I think Dark Side of the Ring have obviously done their bit and whoever's in WWE has got wind of what they're doing and then they're well we'll release our side of the story and then you'll see the dark side of the ring version and then you'll see the WWE version and then it'll be down to the WWE Universal Wrestling fans to go okay somewhere in the middle lies the truth and then they'll be up to you to make up your own mind who do you believe we're going to all watch it though aren't we oh no doubt oh yeah are we going to watch the dark side of the ring though? Since you two still haven't watched a single, and I can't believe it. I know we say it most weeks. I cannot believe you haven't watched any of the dark side of the ring. I'll watch an episode of Dark Side of the Ring when you watch an episode of NXT UK. I've watched an episode of NXT UK. I admit it was a yeah, good right. year or so two, ago. Two years ago when you went to Cardiff yeah. with us. Yeah, very true. Tapings. Yeah, very <laughs> true. <laughs> Have you guys seen the news about the potential of the Queen of the Ring in October? Yeah, I've been um, saying about it for the past couple of weeks. It's been hinted around here, there and everywhere. And I think we were talking on our wrestling chat, who were they going to give it to? It's no doubt going to go to a heel as the first trap. And everyone say, oh, it's definitely going to be Charlotte. It's like she doesn't need it. But it's good that they're bringing it back. Um, mm. They can't call it King of the Ring, though. They're just going to have to have it culminate at a pay-per-view. Like, call it, like, I don't know, they could have it culminate a crown jewel. That would be quite funky. Yeah, I see well, I see yeah. rumours about if that. If they're allowed. As well, saying that it's going to be in Saudi Arabia, that they because of the controversy with the women and women's rights over there, they'll, they're going to have it in uh, Saudi Arabia. I've seen that too. Well, they said October, I think they said October 8th is when they're planning on going to Saudi. But if they said it's going to be called Crown Jewel, and instead of having a big 
Battle Royal. They probably will still have that because they need to entertain somebody. But having two tournaments... Well, Mansoor's going to win something, aren't they? Mansoor could win King of the Ring, but um, I know that they've been saying about Xavier Woods winning King of the Ring for years. It's on his, been on his bucket list. He's been saying that he wants to win that. That's the only thing that matters to him. But Mansoor, you know, can you imagine if it's Mansoor versus uh, Xavier Woods? There'd be uproar. Like, everybody there would be well happy, but everybody... You know, elsewhere, I'll be rooting for Xavier Woods. Um, but the Queen of the Ring is quite complicated. I wish that they, well, I hope with it, they strap a rocket to somebody we haven't really thought of, you know, like an Aaliyah or um, like a Zelina Vega and it, you know, Queen Selena or something like that. And it, it straps a rocket to him because someone like Charlotte doesn't need it. Yes, she will eventually win it because she's known as the Queen. But if it gives somebody a gimmick who's not really doing anything and floundering, I'm all for it. I miss, I really miss the King of the Ring pay-per-view, the one-night tournament. Um, and I know towards the end of the last couple of years, they tend to just have the semi-finals, didn't they, and then the final. Mm. Um, and there's some, you know, mid-card matches thrown around that. Um, or, or maybe even a world title match. Um, but, you know, what? I don't know why they don't like it. I don't know whether they just think that it's not going to interest a, a modern audience, you know, seeing the same wrestler potentially wrestle three times in a night or four times in a night, depending on how big the tournament is. But I don't, I'm not a fan of the split between Raw and SmackDown or just having it a couple of weeks on Raw, a couple of weeks on SmackDown, and then having the, the you know, the, the final at a pay-per-view or even having the final just on an episode of Raw and SmackDown like they've done before. It doesn't, it doesn't feel as prestigious as it used to do when you were the king of the ring. And I know this is now the queen of the ring, but if there was ever a time, you know, for women's wrestling and for women's empowerment to actually make a point and, you know, make it look half decent for them to change, have it. I, I just, I just think they should have it as their own event. Um, yeah. And, king of the king of the ring or, or, or queen of the ring in this instance. Um, especially since they're not doing another Evolution pay-per-view from, from what we've heard. Yeah, but they need to make sure they call it something different because you couldn't really call it King of the Ring or Queen of the Ring if you're doing both men and women. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how they brand it, but they paid multi-million pounds to, you know, their branding offers have paid so much money to think on what they need to brand it. I tell you what, don't care what they call it, I'll be watching anyway. Sounds brilliant. Yeah, I, I just think... Whether they do it on Raw and SmackDown and then accumulate a pay-per-view or they just do it on a pay-per-view, they need to actually make sure that whoever they choose to win, they do something with. Because that's the biggest bugbear. That's the biggest frustration. Right. I mean, Baron Corbin, what, you know, they've not done anything with him. Do you know, when, who, who was the last, I know he is now, yeah, but who was the last prestigious king of the ring to the point where you thought this person is being elevated to be the next the next main eventer. I mean, Famous. Edge. Oh, see, I'd even go further back than that. Edge, I'd say. Well, I don't know. I'd say they've had Booker T since Edge. He had the King uh, gimmick with it. Um, actually, what what they're doing with um, Corbin at the moment is really good. He had a segment on Talking Smack this week where he said that since he lost the crown to Shinsuke, he's um, lost his down payments and all of this. You know, with the crown came that he could buy more vehicles, put, you know, buy bigger houses. Now he doesn't have the crown. It's he's all falling, you know, into nothing, and he started growing his hair. He's got like stains on his shirt, so he's he is selling the. I, I think if you're saying who is the last prestigious king of the ring, I'd actually say Baron Corbin. He's had a throne, he's had a crown. It, you know, you looked at it before, and he was coming to the. But they've not like done a, anything with him, though. Yeah, in but, a sense of a main event, push, have they? Like, if you well, think back to the, if, 
Yeah, but if you think back to the King of the Ring originally, it was supposed to be, look, Stone Cold Steve Austin, you know, Edge, Brock Lesnar, Kurt Angle, all one King of the Ring became main event players, won the world title. The last couple, Baron Corbin, who was before Baron Corbin, um, was I it Sheamus? Yeah, it probably was Sheamus. I think Sheamus, it was Sheamus, but not? Baron Corbin did. You know, he was facing Roman Reigns with the crown. I think he was going around with Lacey Evans. But you look at where Baron Corbin was before. He was going around. He looked like he worked in TGI Fridays. He was floundering. He wasn't doing anything. Then they gave him the crown. He was doing mixed tag team main events where I think it was, was it Seth and Becky versus Baron Corbin and Lacey Evans? And they did that yeah. for a good four or five months going for the world title. So I would actually say Baron Corbin's been a really good king of the ring. So who wins the Queen of the Ring then? I would like them to see it elevate a new talent, like a Zelina Vega. But if you want my outside pick, who I'd absolutely love and it would make everybody go nuts, I'd love to see a Tessa Blanchard come in and win it. Yes. Yeah. No, no I could join the company. Imagine joining the company and winning King of the, the Queen of the Ring in your debut. I mean, You're basically if, saying, look, here I am. Look what I can do. If you go for the Queen gimmick, then they've got to put in... Um, Natalia, she's a queen of hearts. They've got to put in Sheila Basic because she's the queen of spades. And then they've got to put in Charlotte because she's, she's, the, queen. Just, she's the queen. Also, <laughs> you need to put Ginny in as well because she's mm. also the queen of NXT UK. I think the winner will be determined based on where the final is. So if it's on a Raw, or well, it won't be on SmackDown, let's be honest. But if it's on Raw, or if it's on a uh, pay-per-view, I don't know what pay-per-views other than Crown Jewel are around October. But if it's on that, then I agree with you. Tessa Blanchard, uh, Selena Vega, or even a Charlotte. We don't want to see it, but it could be. If it's a Crown Jewel, I think, let you know, who are they catering to at Crown Jewel? They're not catering to us three they're not catering even necessarily to an american audience they are like glorified house shows they're catering to the billionaire princes that are sat there that aren't even potentially that bothered about wrestling but at least there are wrestling fans there they're mostly a younger audience you can hear them but at least they're excited so to me because of where it is if it's a crown jewel it's got to be a face but it's got to be somebody who's known so then i think you're ruling out charlotte because she won't be or shouldn't be a face and I think they're going to go with an easier pick, a baby face, who they know, who can get the crowd going without doing much. And I could easily see it being, and I'm not necessarily knocking this to say, you know, I don't think it should be, but I could see them just going with somebody like a safe bet, like a Naomi. She's got the glow, she dances, the kids enjoy it, people know who she is, she's a baby face, she caters to the casual audience that will be there. If it's a crown jewel, I think it'll be somebody like Naomi. I agree it might be a Tessa Blanchard if it's elsewhere. I mean, if it's King of the Ring and Queen of the Ring, why do they call it Coronation? <laughs> well, I don't think they'll do a King of the Ring, though, will they? I think they'll just do one or the other. I, I don't think they'll do There will be a King of the Ring, because Xavier Woods keeps mentioning Just not at the same time. Anything. Well, it'd be good, you know, if they had both of them going simultaneously. They do it with Money in the Bank, they do it with Royal Rumble, so why not? You can make a show out of it. Have it on over 12 weeks over Raw and SmackDown just for Baron Corbin to retain his crown. Well, they keep doing repeat matches over and over and over. We're getting the same matches. What do we have this week? We had Omos and AJ versus the Viking Raiders for the third week in a row. So they're used to doing that. So at least it'll freshen the TV up a bit. Well, we might as well talk about Raw whilst we're on the subject then. And like I say, I know I looked at it and kind of rolled my eyes and thought, this is awful and read that it was awful. <laughs> what did you guys pick up from it then? Any key points? Um, I mean, the, the things that, you know, they're trying to elevate 
Nikki Ash, Nikki A-S-H, whatever you want to call her. But they, they've just elevated her into a main event player. And then the ending of Raw, they've just buried her where she lost clean to Charlotte Flair and then gets bullied by Charlotte. It just I makes don't no get sense. it. I don't understand that ending. And the crowd didn't. You could tell. They, yeah, then they had to bring John Cena out to do a tag team match against Mason yeah, the dark match, again. Yeah. yeah, that's to send the crowd home happy because the finish just, it made no sense, made nobody happy. And they I just, thought... sorry, go on. No, no, go on. Sorry, mate. Finish off what you're saying. I was just saying that, they, you know, they've gone through this of saying Nikki Ash, and there was people in the front row dressed up as Nikki Ash, had Nikki Ash signs. And they had Charlotte go, is this your favourite? And she's banging her head against the guard railing. It's like you've just created somebody who's going to actually, well, maybe not sell tickets, sell seats, but somebody who's going to sell merchandise and is a top fan favourite. And then all of a sudden you just bury an action no figure reason. right there. Yeah, 100% it's an action, you know, it's an action figure, but they've just buried all of the work that they've just done. You know, I'm looking forward to the triple threat at SummerSlam. You've just buried all that work you've done, putting Nikki Ash over for the past, like, six weeks. I just, I, there probably is a long-term story behind it. But it just made no sense. Um, that was one of the main sticking points. They've just buried all of that work. I've heard that they she hasn't been getting a good reaction at house shows, which might not bode well for how long she keeps the title. Apparently, um, there's been booms during her matches, boring chants, people just not happy with the character. And if you're getting that at the house shows, they finally started doing it again, the live event, and saying, well, you know, Vince is that he's not going to keep the title on a long, unfortunately, is he? No, unfortunately not. But um, anybody who's been in the business that long and who is a proper champion, um, you know, they will find ways of getting the crowd on side and, you know, give it a chance. You are always going to get these fans who want to crap on everything. Um, they're, they're always going to be out there. But it's like a John Cena reaction. I think once they start seeing the merchandise sales, I think that'll bounce the crowd, you know, because, you know, I looked at the gimmick and I thought, you know, good for you. The gimmick you had before and the theme music was rubbish, but now you've actually got the ball rolling and you're actually doing something to get yourself over. You know, as a smarky fans that we are, we actually respect it. So I'd say give it a bit of a chance, but I just hope WWE, you know, give it a chance as well and just stop burying something that's getting over. Have you both noticed what they've started doing on Raw now? So I... I noticed it and I thought, what does that actually mean? And I had a check and some of the dirt sheets are getting it wrong and then they've had to correct themselves afterwards. So for the Charlotte Flair and Nikki SH match, and I think they may have done it with the Shame who did Seamus face this week? Um, he faced uh, Damien Priest. Damien Priest. They called the matches United States Championship Contender Match. Yeah. Or... Raw Women's Championship contender match. So people automatically thought it's a number one. For some reason, they're doing number one contenders matches against the champion. So if you beat the champion, you get to face them for the title whenever. Yeah. But apparently it's not. They've now changed the terminology. Another Vince McMahon thing where he doesn't like calling them non-title matches anymore. So if it's <laughs> a number one contenders match, it will be called a number one contenders match. If it's a non-title match, it's called a insert title name here contenders match that's ridiculous it's but, just yeah. and even the dirt sheets were getting it wrong going oh damien priest is now the new number one contender yeah, because he beat sheamus in a number he should he should he's beaten the champion so he should but they're not calling it a number one contenders match because it isn't it's a non-title match so they're calling it a contenders match I, 
Vince McMahon, ladies and gentlemen. I can't see, uh, you know, I can't see us getting used to it. But if you look in a boxing way, they think they call him um, a title eliminator. So, mm -hmm. um, you know, two people fight each other. It's basically a way to climb the rankings. It'd be a, a, case, a case where they start calling every match a, you know, this is an intercontinental title eliminator. You know, when you played the 2K20 uh, games or 2K whatever they were games, and you basically had to go in different divisions, and yeah. you had to beat the people in the different divisions to get, then the computer would automatically insert you into a pay-per-view match. I think it'll be that case where, it's, you know, they're trying to just... They're trying to play to, like, the sports background. I think they've got, like, Jimmy Smith talking, you know, almost... Um, like the, he's commentating on Bellator or UFC, they're trying to make it more fight based. And oh yeah, it is fight. Yeah, it's entertainment, but we're fighting. Um, they'll they try these things out. Sometimes they work. Sometimes they don't. I agree with you on this. It doesn't work. Um, I, you know, I agree as well when I listen to it and they say it's a um, contenders match or one of those sort of things. Or um, it just doesn't make any sort of sense. But um, they should just keep it as it is. Don't even say non-title match. Just say. They're fighting each other, and when it is a title match, then put the graphic up and show that it is yeah. for the title. Get the announcer to say it. But they need to try these things. Some of the times they get over, but I agree with you on this one. It's a little bit of a flop. Why did they have a robot on Raw? Did you he, see this? He didn't really do anything. It was basically at the start, and the robot just like points. Um, they don't why? announce it. They don't call it like Robbie the Robot or anything. But I why? Think, yeah, but why? You know, You've always got these things. If you remember back when they were doing the draft, when uh, Fox came in, they actually had a robot sat at the table as well. Yeah. Um, and they didn't really do much with that. It's because, like with Fox, they hit that that is the Fox robot. And I think they're just trying it out as a gimmick. They might be able to create it as a toy. They might be able to put it on a T-shirt. Again, it's just one of these things. It's a brand, you know, on the opening of Raw. They, if you notice, they've got a, um, what those, they got like one of those little helicopter drone things. Um, yeah, yeah I don't, just, flying around it's as well. like bloody... Something from Terminator or Transformers. I just I think they got why? the technology. They got the technology. I think they just want to show. Look, we can put things on the screen. But with that robot, they they'll probably release it as a toy, and loads of people will want to buy it. So I just but, what what do we think? What do you think, Joe, of all these graphics? That obviously the crowd can't see. Is a television audience? It's, it's like it's almost like augmented reality, isn't it? It's like it's like um, put on the screen and. Um, Boss's chops puts them on there, you know, the head. Kevin oh, Dunn. Kevin Dunn Kevin, Kevin production. Dunn, yeah, Kevin Dunn just puts them on there. I mean, some of them look cool. Like when Roman Reigns came out last week and um, his figure like flexed. Sometimes they're cool. And like when they did the Firefly Funhouse, they're good. But sometimes I just see them like, it's all right, I guess. But if you can't see it as a fan in the arena, you're like, who cares? And like, I mean, watching it at home, you're like, yeah, that's that's cool again. First time you see it's cool, but then after you've seen it like five times or ten times, you're like, eh, I guess it's all right. Unless it's like something like jumps out with you on the screen, like the big fist or something, or like a big bang. I'm just yeah. like, oh, yeah, okay. I will say the graphics, because they, they probably started doing this two or three years ago, um, you know, independently of some events, and they look bloody awful, some of them then. So the quality, at least, of some of them is a lot better. I don't think, I mean, it's a wrestling show. It's not a kids' TV show, so I'm not a fan of them. I see Damien Priest has got one now as well, where he, was, he stands on the ring and does his bloody arm movements and his finger point, whatever he does. And Damien Priest came up in flames, like in the top right hand corner. And <laughs> it, it looked good, but it's not. Is it adding anything to the product? Do you know what the best effect was that I saw this week? Go on. Drew McIntyre, when he came out, you know, usually he puts the sword in the ground. 
Yes. He doesn't put it in the ground anymore. They've made him a polystyrene uh, mm. bol- a polystyrene boulder. Like they painted like a sword in the stone. Yeah, like sword in the stone, and he pushes it in the sword in the stone, and then he walks to the ring. And I'm just like, are you really for cheap? Real? Yeah, I can just imagine that it's going to be in the like WWE archives. The bump are going to find it in five, ten years and use it as a beach ball. It looked awful. I saw it on the stage. I'm like, what is that thing on the stage? <laughs> I tell you, I tell you what we will do. That's sword will go missing and then in 10 years time when drew mcintyre is retired they'll have him on the 18th season of wwe hidden treasures or whatever it's called <laughs> and they'll be going around trying to find the collector that's bought that sword to put it back into the warehouse for this hall of fame that they still won't have built <laughs> <laughs> um, oh Good oh, a good watch. If you've got five, ten minutes this week, um, this week's Botchamania is pretty decent. They um, showed when the big show was on uh, The Hidden Treasures, and he's got a picture. He's like, see this picture with me doing the fist? If you look, it's the same fist as you saw on the SmackDown logo. They modelled the picture, and they used my fist, and that's what they used. And um, they got the um, guy from Top Top. I go, oh, no way. Can we have that for the archive? But they said that the fist <laughs> came in in 2002, but Big Show didn't go bald until 2006. And on yeah. that fist picture, he's bald. So they were like, just like, lies, lies. Um, <laughs> but Botchamania like, uncovered like two or three of them. He's like, yeah, I was in that. I did this. Oh, there was another one where it said, oh, yeah, um, Andre the Giant did a serial advert um, in 19, I think it was 1990 it was released. And it was like, oh, yeah. And um, I went home to my mum and I said, I want that serial. And that, and it's made me turn out to be a giant. And then they went, actually, Big Show, when in 1991, you were in college playing basketball. So there's no way you could have been asking your mum to buy I, you that serial. Uh, I do like Boxmania. I do like Matthew and his Boxmania. <laughs> it, it is brilliant. I haven't watched the latest episode yet. I really like the last five or ten minutes of botchmania episodes where people send in their edited clips that they've done for the ending some of them are fantastic oh we were probably, they, we were probably really like laughing I, I you know i wanted to uh, before i went to bed i thought you know what i watched a bit of wrestling i thought oh, i'll watch a bit of botchmania i haven't had a catch-up so i watched two or three of like the most recent ones and i couldn't stop laughing they're hilarious um keith lee has said that in a couple of weeks time he's going to announce why he was off tv for so long <laughs> yeah and he lost again for the second week in a row this week, giving Karrion Cross his first win on the main roster. What's going on? What's going on with Keith Lee and what's going on with Karrion Cross? Well, he lost last week to Jeff Hardy, so I guess he had to win this week to make himself look strong. I mean, Keith Lee will have a good match with anyone. I mean, he had the good matches with Dominic Dyer, I mean, T-Bar, sorry, T-Bar, <laughs> um, back in NXT. I mean... He's just not had a very good run, is he? I mean, I just I don't know what it is about Keith Lee. I I don't know what it's about his gimmick, but he's just not getting over. He's just his promos are just a bit lackluster. I mean, on NXT, he was amazing, but I think on NXT it's like it's the old ECW effect with Paul Heyman, where they like accentuated your strengths and hide your weaknesses. Where on Raw, Vince McMahon doesn't care. You you just like go out there and prove yourself. And it's just the transition's just not gone very well for him, unfortunately. <laughs> yeah, it is. It is a bit strange. I mean, with Karrion Cross, I think they were going to do that program with Jeff Hardy, and he was going to attack him backstage, and they were going to. But he was supposed to week. lose. Apparently, this is what it's saying on the dirt sheets. He was supposed to face Jeff Hardy again this week for the second um, week in a row, and lose for the second time in a row. <laughs> Yeah, and if that is the case, I'm assuming there is a story where they eventually goes to SummerSlam and they, you know, he wins at SummerSlam and puts himself over. 
it, it is a little bit strange, but I think with the Keith Lee thing, you look at it, that's, that was the main event of, I think it was TakeOver 30, was Keith Lee versus um, Karrion Cross. And I tell you what, it was a decent 10-minute match, but Keith Lee wasn't, he was doing this, oh, I'm really serious, I'll look angry at the crowd. And he was trying to get the crowd pumped in certain bits, but it was just really lacklustre. You know, I wanted to really enjoy the match, but I ended up skipping two or three minutes of it just to get through it. But I'm thinking that if you're calling someone like a carrying cross up to the main roster, yeah, it's nice for him to have the title, but it's really diminishing that title. Like when Kevin Owens came up and he faced John Cena and he was the NXT champ and then he beat John Cena, it really spotlighted NXT as a third brand. But then he's seen carrying cross come up and he's losing to Jeff Hardy. You, you know, what they should have done is say, well, if you're on Raw, then we're stripping you of the belt and done a tournament. But instead, they're doing that Samoa Joe's going for the NXT title in a few weeks. And it really is looking like Samoa Joe's going to take the belt off him just so Karrion Cross can be moved up. But really, it would have made more sense strip him and do a battle royal because it's making... He may as well not have that title. It's making the title look more weak. Well, what's the point of bringing him up to the main roster if he's just going to be booked to crap? It's a different way of booking a powerhouse because usually these powerhouses come in, they squash... I think we talked about last week, they squash loads of people for about a year and then they eventually lose or they submission or the tag team partner gets pinned or it fizzles out but it's a different way of calling somebody up um but i just wish that if they're going to call him up make him vacate the title that's what they did with Asuka. Asuka was undefeated and when she said i'm going to raw and vacating my title and then she vacated the title went into the royal rumble and then went to wrestlemania oh. that worked really well um i'm just thinking they think that having him with the NXT title gives him credibility and the fans are going to get behind him. But if anything, it's just crapping on the third brand. Well, you can have all the credibility in the world, but if you're the champion of a different brand and you're losing in your debut on the main show, because, you know, as much as they want to say it's a third brand, it's still the developmental brand is NXT. Mm -hmm. So your casual viewer might not watch NXT and might not potentially know who Karrion Cross is. So as far as they're concerned, this is a brand new wrestler. And it is to them, and it is to the main roster, and it is to the network TV. So you're bringing somebody onto Raw, and you're going, here's a brand new wrestler. Oh, and look, he's bloody good because he's a champion of that show that you don't watch. <laughs> and now he's just lost. Well, how crap must he be, and how crap must the show that he's just come from be if he can't beat Jeff Hardy, who's been wrestling for the last 30 years who you know isn't a main eventer really these days you know i'm not shitting on jeff hardy and i'm not really on Karen cross because it's not his fault the way he's booked but yes he got his win back this week but how did he get his win back he got his win back by beating effectively someone else that they've done the same thing with yeah. keith lee bringing him up kind of doing something with him a bit then not really then him disappearing for a while coming back losing to the ww champion Okay, no no love lost and no shame losing to the world champion. But don't book him in that position, bring him back and have him squash a lower mid-carder. Do, do, do you know what I mean? And then if you're going to do that, don't have him lose again next week to the person that lost the week before mm. because that just makes him look even weaker. I'm thinking with Keith Lee there, there is either a, there's one or two ways. There's either a plan behind it where his losses are because he's doing what the people backstage are telling him to do. And he's basically going to rebel and say, I'm fed up of doing what you're telling me to do. I'm going to do my own thing. And he just goes on a rampage. And the fans are just, you know, like a new, like a CM Punk kind of thing. I'm not listening to the system. I'm doing what I want to do now. You know, and he becomes like Mark Henry, like, I do what I want. Um, 
I think it could either go that way or it'd be the case that they said, look, Keith, we're firing you in two or three weeks. If you want to go on a rant on Twitter and get some buzz as well, you can. And then all of a sudden him and me and him just go. It could go that way that he's just gone, look, let's just cut, let's cut it here. And, you know, we'll have a little bit of a, I pay my dues on the way out. It'll either go that way or it'll go a way of actually, if we have the fans thinking that we're crapping on you and then all of a sudden you just go on like monster heel run and go, I don't care about you fans. I don't care about what they're telling me I have to do. I'm doing it my own way. And he's like a badass dropping pipe bombs all the time. And he stops talking like this. I'll be well happy for it. Do that. Either do I that think, or get rid of him. Do one of the two. I, I don't yeah. know about you, Joe, but what Dan's just said there, I think that's the only thing that you can do now is turn yeah. the meal. And, 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 the, and the option shouldn't always be in these situations turn the person heel because then everyone's going to turn heel there's going to be no baby faces and that's not wrestling but you he's, he's going to make this announcement of why he's been away i'm not convinced he is i think i don't necessarily think it's been a work whilst he's been away i think there has been a reason again whether it be injury whether it be health whether it be mental health i don't know but to be quite honest it's nobody's business but his and his family um and his friends but maybe he might be turning that into a bit of a work himself or rather a bit of an angle himself yes i'll tell you where i've been yes i'll tell you what's been up and then he's not going to and from there he's going to get on people's nerves and that's how he's going to transition into a heel and then go full heel from there that would work yeah i agree i mean i definitely think he should be healed i mean as a face as dad said when he's like trying to cut promo he's very condescending that would work if you were healed i mean I definitely think, same stand, like, as a Mark Henry kind of guy, where, like, he's, like, he uses his size to his advantage, or even join the Hurt Business, something like that. He needs to do, he needs to flip what he's doing and do something completely different. I don't know what that is, but, yeah, definitely turning heel. I think that would work. If they're going down the route of he's come back and he's a massive baby face and he keeps losing each week and we're supposed to feel sorry for him and try and build him up and spur him on, that works for some baby faces, but it doesn't work for him because he's a big heavyweight powerhouse. That works for your, um, just to grab a random name out from 20 years ago, a Zach Gowin. Someone who shouldn't be winning matches, who's going up against people twice his size and he's losing every week. And then he finally, after weeks and weeks and weeks, prevails over someone and gets that win and goes over massively. Brilliant. You know, even a Daniel Bryan to an extent. Yes, he's not, you know, the level of a, a Zach Gowen. No disrespect <laughs> to Zach Gowen. Um, but, you know, certainly through the yes movement and eventually building up to the win at WrestleMania in the triple threat match for the world title. But you can do that with certain people. But he's supposed to be coming in kicking ass, you know, taking names, boom. That doesn't work for somebody of that size, build and stature, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, that's I, in I see what you mean. I think they've just messed around with him a little bit too much. They've tried to repackage him multiple times, change his music so many times, and it's gone from a case of everyone's buzzed to see him, really excited to, oh, God, here comes Keith. What are they doing with him this time? And it's really sad to see, but I do think... You know, he's got the um, fortitude to be able to turn this around, but it's a go big or go home situation. Either do something with him or get or cut, him, cut him loose and let him go back to the Indies or do what he wants because the fans were all over him. And then because they've messed around with him too much, they kind of like spoiled the water. So I think it is one way or the other, but it'd be interesting to see what he does put on Twitter. I think it'll be more of like a social media pipe bomb. You know, one day, well, look, he's trending and that's what we're going to be talking about. Um, and it's either going to be a trending because oh, I've handed in my notice and these are my last 60 days, or it's going to be a case of, right, 
I'm just doing what I want. I'm not listening to all these people backstage. This is me because it, we know that backstage, they've been saying to him, you need to cut promos this way. You need to be wearing dresses to the ring. You need to be wearing t-shirts to the ring. Grow your hair, don't grow your hair, grow your beard, don't grow your beard. They've, I've heard all of this stuff that they're saying to him backstage. And if you're having that, you're gonna have all these mixed signals. Yeah, anybody, if you're telling somebody to do one thing and then another thing, any human being is gonna get irritated by that. So if they put that into his character trait of, you know, screw you, I'm not doing what you tell me, Rage Against the Machine. I tell you what, even get that as his theme music, I'll be well happy. Do something like that with him. I'd, that know. was the worst thing they did with Keith Lee's, get rid of his NXT music. No one's been able to explain the why they got rid of Bask in His Glory. He's got the most boring, the generic, right. stupid... Yeah, CFO. It was the right. Uh, it's because it was pre produced by CFO. And then buy the rights to it. Do you know what I mean? They've done it before. They can do it again. I know Vince hates buying the rights to things, but sometimes a theme makes a rest on. If that's what gets them over, you're going to recoup the rewards back eventually through the money that you're going to make. Well, you see Triple H with Motorhead. Yeah, Triple H with Motorhead. CM Punk with Cult of Personality. They had Ronda Rousey with Joan Jett. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, but look at these people. Triple H got over brilliant theme music. CM Punk got over brilliant theme music. Ronda Rousey got over brilliant theme music. They've all had to buy the rights to use them. Yeah, but you also look with Rhea Ripley. Um, and then at WrestleMania, she had that band shouting um, to the ring. And yeah, okay, fair enough. It was good to see a live band perform the theme music. But yeah, have like a rap artist or somebody like that. I think the coolest theme music that I've heard at the moment is Cameron Grimes, where it's like, cash and money, cash and money. It's really yeah. cool. Like, I'm singing it afterwards, like two or three hours after I watched the show. I'm like, oh, that's really good. But Josiah Williams, who made it, they just released him in NXT. So they could have done loads of different things like that, but they get rid of him. But I agree with you. They need to... They, they need to get somebody in who does really good theme music or, you know, give them a really cool song because people... They got rid of Jim Johnson, didn't they? Yeah. After all this time. And that's just ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. But, yeah, just speak to local artists. I mean, like Junior, for example, uh, Matt, um, what's his name? Uh, Mark Andrews, his mm. band, he comes to the ring and everyone loves Fall to Pieces. Like, everyone's singing it. They're waving their arms. And it sounds really good. But because it's Mark Andrews' band, they're able to use it. Because he's yeah. just like, well, here's the rights. I don't care. It gets my it's song. Like Chris Jericho, Judas is so bad in it. So we own so mandatory fun. Yeah, really enjoy it. when we sing along to it. It's a good bit of fun. But you know, if you're like, oh, do you want to sing along to so and so see music? Whose music? What does it sound like? You know, half of them. They all sound the same. I think Nikki Crosses before she became a superhero. It just sounded like the music that they play backstage when people. Yeah. Oh, and there he goes. <laughs> right on cue, about 15 minutes it goes. Uh, well, shall we move on? Since um, Dan's decided to go, Joe, shall we move on? Have you watched the Kevin Nash Stone Cold session? Yes, I did. It was very good. So I, I really enjoyed it. Oh, he's back. What happened with that one? Was there anything different that we learned? Or? Um, not really. I mean, if you follow Kevin Nash's career, it's basically just seeing like, how he started off... Um, as Vinny Vegas in WCW and he had like the Oz gimmick. Um, <laughs> they went through um, how he was like a basketball player in his youth and he joined the army. And then he went on to talk about the NWO and stuff like that. So I don't think there was anything groundbreaking in there, Dad, was there? No, the only thing that I'd say is he said that about the tank thing in Norfolk where DX were outside banging on the doors, let us in. Uh, apparently Kevin Nash, yeah, he's, it's sweet him saying it now, but he said that him and Scott Hall were the other side of the barrier. Like, yeah, op you know, open the um, open the thing. Let's go say hello to him. 
you know, we'll go on WWE TV or promote our brand. And they apparently they're saying it to Bischoff. And Bischoff's like, no, you're staying where you are. We're keeping the, the fort closed. They're not getting in. You know, it's a I don't thing. know if I even believe that. I mean, it's easy to say that 20, oh, 30 years later. But he crapped on Bret Hart later. a little bit as well. He called him, he said, Bret Hart is Dean Martin and HBK is Frank Sinatra. Ooh. And he basically was saying that um, what made him want to leave um, obviously, this this is just me trying to remember. I don't know it word for word. He said that in two, in 1996, um, he was supposed to go over with Brett, but Brett didn't want it and was having a hissy fit and basically said, "Well, I go over, or you know, I'm not I'm not wrestling tonight." So they had to put Brett over then. And he said, "Well, when that was happening, that was just my cue to go. I'm, I'm just not putting up with stuff like that." Um, it was like a precursor to the Montreal screw job. Um, yeah. Apparently, Brett was just being a little bit of a drama queen backstage but obviously i'm not quoting that one he said that's just me remembering off the top of my head but he crapped on bret hart a couple of times in it worth watching um yeah it's, it's decent it's heavily cut i don't know what they're doing but it does this thing where it's like almost chaptered it fades into black and then you've got stone cold going well tell me about your time in nwa and then it's just really weirdly cut. But how it used to be beforehand, it was just two dudes sitting around a table having a beer. But what's really funny is he has a glass of wine and you can tell how badly cut it is because the wine's full, then it's low, then it's full, then it's low, then it's oh, low. Yeah. You don't see him sipping it. It's just They've really chopped and, and changed that one about, yeah. And, you know, at least when it's stone cold with his IPA, it's in a can, you can't see it. Or with Jericho and his Grey Goose, like it's, it's in ice, you can't really see it moving. But with the wine, it's really funny if you do watch it. You'll notice with the wine, it just keeps fluctuating. Um, but yeah, it's worth it's worth a watch. It's only um, an hour 20, but usually the Stone Cold sessions are near two hours. So it's quite a quick one. A lot of it you'll already know from the Icons uh, Diesel HBK. A lot of it he mentions from there. But really, it's just cool for him chatting. You can tell that they are really good friends and it worked really well. I think somebody like a Scott Hall would be quite good to go on there next. Um, but yeah, it works really well. If you've got a spare hour and 20, it's worth a listen. And we'll add it to the list. What I have watched is I've watched Matt Cardona win the GTW title off Nick Gage. Wow. And what a reaction he got. I know. I think he <laughs> But I bet he loved it. I bet he absolutely loved the reaction. He will have fed he's, off that. He's probably still trying to get like can ring pulls like out of his uh, armpit and stuff. Like he's probably still finding metal in his shoes. He's trying to stop himself bleeding still. Um, um, if you see on Twitter, on, um, if you follow Chelsea Green on Twitter, you could. They have like white bed sheets, and you can see all like the blood on the white bed sheets, and like <laughs> all the like tall bandages where she's like obviously like patched him up after the match. And they're like, Oh, yeah, I've uh, look all my bloody bed sheets. Oh, yeah, we're going to Disney tomorrow. <laughs> I was like, yeah, Okay, do you know what? I'm really happy for him because it shows a different side that the casual audience, the WWE audience, haven't seen before. He can get a bit ultraviolet. He wasn't afraid to either, which was the great thing. He was willing to get in there and get stuck in. Um, Nick Cage did the job to him. He's, he's, won the, he's won the title now for how long he'll keep it. Who knows? I know Nick Cage has got this um, slight relationship going on with AEW at the moment for however long. Who knows? Um, in fact, he's facing Jericho tonight, is he not? Yeah, yeah the pain maker. Tonight in time of recording, the pain maker versus uh, Nick Cage. So we'll see what happens with that. But no, I'm, I'm happy for Matt Cardona. It's... Like I say, it's something different we haven't seen before. And will it work for him long term? Who knows? I don't think it's the type of thing the WWE are going to look at and go, wow, he's reinvented himself. Let's bring him back because they can't portray something like that on their TV. But it might be if he's making money out on the indies and he's making money doing that, then who knows? You look at it yeah. and you think, a month ago, if I said to you GCW, how many of us wrestling fans knew what, knew what GCW was? I didn't even know it existed. 
if I'm being completely honest. I mean, I know I, I did, but I hadn't watched, I admittedly hadn't watched it because I'm not a fan of death matches, to be fair. But everyone's going to go back and they're going to watch this match. And um, I haven't seen the match myself, but I've read the sort of what happened. And they managed to get like a stable that did a run in that um, didn't like Nick Gage. So they went to beat him down, but then the head of the stable turned on it and, you know, stopped them fighting him, but then turned on him again. You know, it's almost like an ECW original kind of thing, sticking up for each other. But, you know, there is the deathmatch kind of thing. But apparently they did a lot of storytelling. Um, you know, Nick Gage was selling quite a bit as well. You know, it's not a case of you're here, you're getting paid, you know, a certain amount of money and I've got to do a job for you. I think it was a case that they did want to tell a good story. And I know Meltzer was crapping all over it, saying that the fans were disrespectful. But you look at that visual. I mean, ECW used the visual of chairs being thrown into the ring. Yeah, you don't want that happening at every single show. But that's going to be a visual that GCW played for years and years and years. And, you know, if I say events of 2021 in wrestling, what happened? Everyone's going to remember Matt Cardona winning a GC the GCW title. And the match is what they'll go back and sort of reference to. So, you know, good for him. But Matt Cardone is also in Impact at the moment. I think he's uh, teaming up with Chelsea Green in a... Yes, they're, they're doing um They're doing a tournament, I think it's this weekend, called Homecoming. It actually looks pretty decent. They've got Cardona teaming up with uh, Lauren Van Ness, who's... Uh, Chelsea Green, I'm not sure which name she's going under, um, but Petey Williams has returned. He's teamed up with Geraldine Grace. Uh, Tommy Dream is teaming up with Rachel Ellering. Um, so they've got quite a few like people coming back for it, um, and they're all facing each other. It's like a mix. It's a man and woman tag team facing each other and doing a tournament for like a one night special. So something a little bit different, um, but that's going to be great. But it'd be interesting to see how battered he is and if he comes to the ring with that title because they're doing so many different crossovers. You never know, really. What do we think will happen tonight then? Obviously, when people get listening to this, the match will have already happened with Jericho and Ed Gage. I reckon it's just going to be a Jericho cheap roll-up and he's going to get out of there. You know, Jer Jericho wants to have all of these matches before he retires. And, you know, we've only got him for the next couple odd years before he does. What are you they know, building this match as? It's a labours of Jericho. So, basically, he had to face the painmaker, uh, not painmaker, what's his name, the chairman, Sean Spears, last week. Now he has to face Nick Gage it's basically like he has to do five labors. He has to face five opponents that MJF has picked. Is, and this this is, opponent a, number two. is this like a no disqualification match? I'm it's assuming a no they match, they're yeah. not using the team yeah. death match because it won't be a death match, but it's at least yeah. going to be some form of no DQ match. I yeah. wonder if Nick, this is what worries me slightly about him, and I'm certainly not saying for one moment he's not professional, but he strikes me as the type of person that you tell him to go out there and not do something, and he'll absolutely do it just to <laughs> prove that he can do it and get away with it. So, you know, this is network television. This isn't an indie show. Mm. There are rules. If they're telling him, do not go out there and split Jericho's head open and do not <laughs> rack something across his tongue or his mouth or whatever... It worries me that once he's in the mood and the adrenaline's running, he might try something that he shouldn't do. And I think that's what I think that's what's most intriguing about it. And he may very well be really professional about it, and he might not do that. And hopefully, won't it'll go with it. But I think that brings the interest and intrigue into it because people will be thinking, will he go off the scale of it? Will he go off the ropes of it? Well, he's in the ring with Jericho. I mean, Jericho's what like in the, he's been in the business thirty years. He is an experienced veteran, and from what you heard, you know. You know, Jericho could handle himself in a shoot fight. You know, I mean, look at that fan that went in last week. He decked that fan, and he stood, <laughs> yeah. up, he stood up to Goldberg in the ring. So, you know, if worse comes to worse, and Nick Gage starts quote unquote shooting on him and like actually hitting him, 
I think Jer Jericho won't hesitate to end him because obviously, you know, no, no offence to Nick Gage, Jer Jericho is the biggest star of the two. If he thinks that Nick Gage is disrespecting him or stiffing him or, or whatever, then Jericho, I don't think, won't hesitate to end it. Yeah, I think with Jericho as well, I, I, I you know, I pretty much 95% think that this is Jericho's request. You look at it when AJ Styles came into WWE, his first ever singles match was against Chris Jericho. Same with um, Daniel Bryan. His first ever singles match in WWE was against Chris Jericho. Fandango. Fandango as well. But you look at you look at it and you think Nick Gage is massive at the moment. Everybody's talking about him. Everybody knows the name. He's getting really popular out there. He's like a deathmatch legend for 20 years. He's like the new version of Story Funk and Terry Funk. He's supposed to be like a deathmatch death specialist. Jericho's probably looked at it and gone, right, who do I've got a list here. Who do I want to wrestle before I retire? And yes, yeah, Sammy Callahan was on the list last year. And he made him come over and wrestle him on the cruise of Jericho just so he could knock him off the list. You look yeah. at all those people. Who do you want Jericho to face before he retires? Okay, he's done the New Japan thing. You're thinking, yeah, I'd like to see him in a match against Nick Gage. I'd like to see him face Zack Sabre Jr., Will Ospreay. Uh, you you reel off a few of these people. But realistically, he's faced pretty much everybody in the biz. Um, so I think in the list is getting smaller and smaller. I wouldn't be surprised if they said, Jericho, we're doing the five labours. Is there an opponent that you want us to bring in? He's probably gone, yeah, bring that Nick Gage guy in. We'll have a good match. But I think there will be a level of respect. You know, they'll put together a match. And I don't think it is the case that this guy's just disrespectful and he's going to try and hurt one of the best in the business and one of the greatest of all time. I do think that they'll put on a solid performance. But yes, you know, he's going to use the pizza cutters. He's going to use um, lightning tubes. It's going to be a little bit deathmatchy, but I don't think it's going to be as hardcore as like a juicy gimmick. Yeah. Gimmick. 100%. Yeah. And it's so it should fireworks be. on the ring posts going, Ooh. Oh, good God. Let's hope you say. <laughs> Tony Khan's scheduled to make a big announcement. I don't know whether it's supposed to be tonight or next week, but he says he's, there is a big announcement to be made. Is this the CM Punk or the Daniel Bryan announcement? And if it is, should he be making an announcement or should they mm. leave it a surprise? Because think... people know it's potentially going to happen. So surely oh, that's that's enough for people to buy the event regardless and still have it as a quote-unquote surprise, even though people know it's happening. I think that it's uh, going international. It's going to be a UK tour because there's loads of things suggesting that AEW's coming over. There's loads, of, like we said a couple weeks ago, there's loads of fan fests. Fozzies are coming over in uh, the Christmas sort of time. So I've got a feeling he's going to say, right, we're going over to the UK because they've been saying for ages that was their goal. Um, and I can see that happening. I think, you know, big surprise of announcing a wrestler. They did that with Christian. They did that with Big Show. You can't just keep doing that because people are going to expect people. But if they do it as a show or a title, you know, they could bring in the trios belts. But my gut says that it's going to be that they're bringing in a UK pay-per-view. If they're doing that, they really need to sort out the UK distribution TV rights. Because at the moment, over here in the UK, for any of our international listeners, um, Dynamite is on ITV4, which is a digital-only channel. ITV is the biggest commercial uh, ITV1 is the biggest commercial television channel in the whole of the UK. They have three digital-only channels that you can only get through a subscription service, and ITV4 is one of them, and it's catered more towards action and movies and car-type TV programmes and male sports, that type of thing. They had, for about two months, ITV Box Office, which was the subscription um channel where you paid individually for pay-per-views and that's what AEW's pay-per-views are on they close it after about two months and ever since then the only way you can watch a pay-per-view without going through an illegal method 
is to buy an AEW pay-per-view on Fight TV, the website. At the moment, it's being reported by Dave Meltzer that there has been no interest or no uptake in AEW Rampage, the second show, by ITV or ITV4, and that the only way to watch that in the UK is going to be on Fight TV. So you're going to have the flagship show on terrestrial TV, oh, sorry, on, on digital TV on ITV4, but then you're going to have your sister show, your second show, only through a website that you're going to have to pay monthly for, and you've got your pay-per-views, which are only on a website that you have to pay individually for. Do they not need to sort that out for a greater coverage in the UK for yeah. surely? I put it to you both. If they're going to bring the uh, company over for not just a tour, but a potential pay-per-view, because then you're going to go, here's AEW, the hottest new professional wrestling company from the last couple of years, and it's finally making it over into the UK. That program that you can watch every week on ITV4 for free, effectively, um, you can watch. And if you want to watch this pay-per-view, the first ever one, we're going to make history in the UK. You can watch it by either buying your ticket and attending the event or going on our website and watching it on TV. Yeah, no, I'm watching with, it on a, on a website, not with through Having TV. the pay-per-view over there, um, over in the UK, it's a great opportunity to actually bring that forward and get that all sorted out because what happens when you've got a big show coming? So if you had like AJ versus Tyson Fury in the boxing, what would happen in America if that was going on in America and the States? They would be on Jimmy Fallon. They would be on the Late Late Show. They'd be on everything promoting that. So if you had a AEW show that's coming to Wembley, for example, not that they would use Wembley, but a massive arena, it's ITV. So they'd be on This Morning. They'd be on Lorraine. They'd be on Loose Women. They'd be on The One Show. They'd be on Sunday Brunch. They'd uh, be on all of these, you know, Jonathan Ross. These are yeah. our UK for listeners in America, these are our UK versions of what you guys have in America for talk shows. Um, they would put these wrestlers on all of them. And people are going, what's this AEW? I want to watch this. You know, it's on ITV at half past 10 on a Friday. I know that. I record it because uh, I'm usually out and about. But, yeah, it's really hard to watch the AEW stuff. I know Jamie's got the subscription um, to watch all of them. He pays it because he really likes AEW. But I've always been a WWE guy. But I have tried to get into AEW, but it's so difficult to get into AEW because yeah. it's never on. And I'm not going to search it on YouTube. Very similar to Impact. Um, I follow Impact when it shows me the next day what happened on Facebook. But the last, I, you know, I haven't watched a full Impact show in ages since they moved it off um, Free Sports. Um, and it's a shame because I was an avid viewer. I'd watch it every single week. I knew it was on. But they need to sort it out. And I think with them coming over to the UK, if they do announce that they're coming over to the UK. It's ample opportunity to get it on a proper TV channel, get it on ITV box office or a box office service and you know make it so we can actually all watch it because I agree with you, it's very, very difficult if you want to go through an official way of actually being able to buy it and watch it. Hmm. Shall we quiz it? Yes, we can. And I'm on so quiz hosting duty. You are on quiz hosting duty. So let's have a look at the leaderboard. Um, not that it's changed at all for me and Joe, I'm sure, from last week. But Dan sits on 11. He can't get a point because he's hosting this week. Joe's on four. Jamie's on six. He's not here. He can't get a point. And I'm on a pathetic two. So I can either make some gain here on Jamie or, or Jamie and Joe, or Joe can make a bit of a gain on Jamie and Dan in this one. So what have you got for us this week, Dan? This week, we've got true or false, so you may have guessed Ooh. it. The answers are either going to be true or false. Or false. Yeah, one of the two. So the okay. first one, nice nice and simple for you. Roman Reigns has never held the Intercontinental Championship. Is that true or false? 
Hopefully. I am prepared as well. I have a tiebreaker just in case. So <laughs> we're all good. Number two, Goldust defeated Roddy Piper at WrestleMania 12 in a Hollywood backyard brawl. Okay. You're good with that, Joe? Mm-hmm. Okay. Number three, before heading to WWE or WWF back then, Kevin Nash was in a tag team called the Master Blasters. Okay. I have a feeling that was on the um was that on the Stone Cold sessions? Um it might not be true. No, very true. Yeah, very true. Uh, number four, before wrestling, Dilo Brown represented the USA in the Olympic archery team. Oh. Okay. Why not? Number five, Tino Santana retired from wrestling and became a middle school Spanish teacher. <laughs> I want that to be true. <laughs> <laughs> You're good, Joe? Yeah. Number six, WWE diva Layla L was born in London, England. Number seven, Grand Metalik beat Zack Sabre Jr. to advance to the final of the Cruiserweight Classic. Who was that? Sorry, can you repeat that one? Yeah, Grand Metalik from the Lucha House Party beat Zack Sabre Jr. to advance to the Cruiserweight Classic final. Okay. God, this is really going to go one way or another. <laughs> well, usually with true or false, that's the way it goes. Well, well yeah. <laughs> Number eight, JBL is currently living on the tropical island of Anguilla. Good God. <laughs> um, I follow JBL on Facebook. Okay. Okay, you're number nine. No championship changed hands at WrestleMania 27. Yep. That is a serious thinking face there, Joe. Uh, I'm just not even really, th unless I know <laughs> it. I only know a couple, I think. I'm just writing down the first thing that comes into my head. So Best way to go. And your number 10, Tatanka has the longest gap in between WrestleMania appearances. Ooh. Okay. Lovely. There were some so you... decent questions then. Thank you. So we'll go with your number one. I'll, I'll get the answers off both of you and then tell you what's right. So Roman Reigns has never won the Intercontinental title. Joe? True. I put false. I'm sure he lost it to the Miz on an episode of Raw. Yep, he has held once the Intercontinental title, so it is false. Okay, lovely. Okay, uh, so number two, Goldust defeated Rowdy Roddy Piper at WrestleMania 12 in a Hollywood backyard brawl. Joe, false. Taron, I also put false. I thought it was the other way around. It is the other way around. Roddy <laughs> Piper beat Goldust. Really good match, actually. Yeah, um, do you know what? I've not watched that for years. I'm gonna to have to watch that. <laughs> it's where he runs. They run. They have like a car that gold kind of like it yeah. it. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, before heading to WWF or WWE, Kevin Nash was in a tag team called the Master Blasters. True. I also put true, but I didn't. It know. is. It is okay. true. They're in NWA and they're in WCW. Mm. Okay, number four. Before wrestling, Dino Brown represented the USA in the Olympic archery team. Joe? I put false. Tara? I put I put true. 
No, it's false. I made oh. that completely up. I was watching the Olympics earlier and thought, let's just pick a wrestler, pick an event, go random with it. Yeah, it's false. The Olympics have uh, been decent now. Yeah, we're slide doing quite well. Topic. Yeah, we're not doing too bad. Uh, number five, Tino Santana retired from wrestling and he became a middle school Spanish teacher. Joe. True. Taran. Uh, yeah, I put true as well, but I think you're going to say false. No, it's true. Oh, is it? Oh, I'm so happy with that. <laughs> I, I don't um, know go- why. <laughs> I Googled because I was trying to find out. Um, I remember like Rico was like a firefighter or something. I was going to ask that. And then when I was going through like the list, when I Googled it, it was like number seven, Tino Santana, middle school. I think I think they said that um, Scott Steiner owns like a, a bar and grill and he does karaoke as well. I was going to throw that <laughs> one in there, but I thought the Tino one would be a bit better. Uh, number six, WWE diva Layla L was born in London, England. Joe? False. I know she had a British accent, but I don't think she was actually British. Taryn? I thought true. I'm sure she was born in England. Uh, sorry, yeah. in London, and for some reason, billed at some point in her career from Miami. Yeah, it's true. So she's yeah. from London, England. Now she's billed at Miami, Florida. I think she's married to Ricky Ortiz as well. Yeah. Bit of a fact for you. Uh, number seven, Grand Metalik beat Zack Sabre Jr. to advance to the Cruiserweight Classic final. Joe? False. I'm sure it was Cedric versus TJP. Oh, I, I put true, but I couldn't remember. It is true. It was oh. uh, Grand Metalik versus TJP in the final. Oh. Oh, yeah. mm. TJP won, didn't he? I'm sure. Yeah, Kota Ibushi faced TJP in the other semi-final, I think. Yeah. But yeah, TJP won in the end, and he had a promising future, and then he just got bit of a loud mouth backstage and they got rid of him <laughs> always the Num- number eight jbl is currently living on the tropical island of anguilla joe false i'm sure he lives in bermuda darren i put true i have no idea no it's false joe's right he lives in bermuda cool uh number nine no championship change hands at wrestlemania 27 joe i put false i put true it is true. There's only two title matches, the World yeah. Heavyweight and the WWE. Uh, Miz ended up retaining against Cena, and um, Edge ended up retaining against Alberto Del Rio. That's incredible, thinking about that. Two championship matches, that's it, at WrestleMania. Ridiculous. But, you know, we all we all know that WrestleMania 27, bar one or two matches, is probably one of the worst WrestleMania's. It was poor. Yeah, it was. Oh, it was dreadful. And finally, number 10, Tatanka has the longest gap between appearances at WrestleMania. I put true. I put true also because was he not in one of the Andre the Giant Battle Royals about four yep. years ago or something? Yeah. Spot on. So he's on the Andre the Giant Memorial Battle Royal at WrestleMania 32. And his um, first his appearances before then, he wrestled at, um, I've got it noted down here, it was WrestleMania 7 against Rick Martel and WrestleMania 8 as well. Um, he wrestled at both of those. So yeah, 23 years was the gap. Smash in. Right, let's have okay. a look see what you guys have i think it might be quite close i'm glad i did a tiebreaker well i got i got nine i only got number four wrong whatever number four was maybe i seven. Oh no sorry sorry i tell a lie i got eight because i got the jbl question wrong there we are so taron gets the point and um, my tiebreaker was how many days was roman reigns the intercontinental champion um it was about uh Oh, a day. <laughs> no, I don't know. no, was it not like a month? He only had it about a month, didn't he? Not? 63 days. Yeah, I'll fair enough, a couple of months. Well, hang on, that there means I've won for the first time in however long. Yeah. <laughs> because that means I get 
five bonus points. Oh. Right, so that puts me on three. Joe's on four. Jamie's on six. Dan is on 11. Yeah, boy. Joe, where can everybody find us on the socials? You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Grapplecast Show. And don't forget to like and subscribe us on all the places you find your podcasts on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Deezer, everywhere you find a good podcast. Uh, don't forget, if you've got a question or a comment or you'd like us to improve or change anything, add us on messages at Grapplecast Show and we're, we're more than happy um, change something or uh, answer your questions. Well, we won't change everything. Well, I, if the changes do, don't bring Jamie back, then I'm all <laughs> for it. You're right. <laughs> well, great show. Thanks very much for joining us, everybody. Thanks again, as always, to Dan and Joe. Um, another interesting, informative and educational session, I thought, this week. I definitely agree. Thank you very much. And you've been a wonderful host as normal, Taryn. Well, thank you very much. Enjoy the week's wrestling, and we will see you all next week. Thanks very much. Take care, guys. Bye. Bye. Hold one. Arm drag. Brett screwed Brett. It's me, Austin. I did it for the rock. Oh, shut your mouth, you thong-wearing fatty. Number four, armbar.